This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle. This episode of American Enough is powered by Sennheiser, the future of audio. For all the breathtaking moments in America's political identity and history the past 10, 11 months, there have been some interesting renaissances along the way. For every tweet, for every gaffe, for every political scandal that seems to emerge, there's also been an impressive and quite epic rise of the voice of the American journalist, the the hard-hitting investigative reporter that uncovers one more morsel of truth about Russia investigations, or frankly, the journalist that asks a hard-hitting question and gets beat back with the criticism of being fake news. But the Renaissance doesn't just stop there. It's also uncovered a whole new era of protests, hearkening back to the spirit of the 1960s, but almost in a way that's been reappropriated as protests being the new form of Sunday brunch. The Renaissance creates an extension even into the world of arts and the satire, where late-night political shows from Jimmy Fallon to Stephen Colbert have taken their turns at commenting on the state of political affairs, and it's even given rise to significant epic skits coming out of NBC's iconic Saturday Night Live. But one medium that's often been a core element of American identity in unpacking our culture, our history, and our voice has been the arts, and particularly the arts in the theater. In recent years, we've seen everything from the Hamilton to more recently a conversation around American identity like The Real Americans, written, produced, and and performed by Dan Hoyle as being a really, really core way in which we understand our history as a country, but even ask ourselves some thought-provoking and difficult questions. Right now, the arts have not necessarily seeped into the cultural zeitgeist as a response to the administration or ideological policies, at least at the forefront of the minds of most of those protesters and most of those journalists or most of those lawmakers. But we really all have a responsibility if we're going to inform American identity to take a look at the arts and see the value, vision, and frankly, the discourse that they bring to the table. This is American Enough with your host, Vikram Iyer. Today, we're honored to have Daniel Hoyle. He's not only taught workshops at colleges and theaters around the country, he's actually won awards ranging from the Bay Area Theater Critics Circle Award to the Pew Theater Initiative Award to the awards from the Zellerbach Foundation and the Will Glickman Foundation, as well as Prize of the Hope. He actually was a Fulbright scholar in Nigeria from 2005 to 2006. He's lived in D.C., he's lived in New York City. So at first brush, you, when you see an impressive background like this, you don't necessarily associate an individual like that to really focus on what American identity is. But perhaps that assumption and perhaps that misinterpretation of what somebody's background means and how it translates into their view of the world is exactly what the challenge is, what it means to identifying American identity and understanding who is American enough. In fact, Dan Hoyle took that impressive background and that vision to understand identity around the world right here within the United States, traveling throughout middle America, having conversations with everyday individuals like you or I or our neighbors or churchgoers or even self-proclaimed rednecks to really understand the characters that make up our wide tapestry. 
He reduced all of those visions and those conversations into an incredible play called The Real Americans, which first got its namesake from Sarah Palin's talking point on the campaign trail about where the heart of America truly was. But he brings those voices and he brings that identity to the stage in an incredibly lively way that's been reviewed from everyone from the New York Times and even observed by former alumni of the Obama administration. Now, at a moment in time in which American identity has been really assessed, pointed at, and recast by our current political, cultural, and policy-oriented dynamics, The Real Americans is back on tour and taking a storm not only in Washington, D.C., not only in California, but even across the world to Dublin, Ireland, and beyond. Dan Hoyle, thanks for being on American Enough. Thank you so much. That's quite an introduction. <laughs> I know. I, re- I really tried to flex my NPR voice for this one. Um, so so tell us a little bit about yourself first. Um, I, I know that I, when I read a bio like yours, um, maybe it's silly to assume that this is not what one would expect the project to come out of your, your epic body of work would be. But what was your background and what inspired you to get involved in this specific project on the real Americans and our identity as a country? Sure. So um, I, I went to Northwestern University and studied performance studies and history. Um, and that is basically uh, creating performances based on field research. Um, I call it journalistic theater, what I do, which is I pick a topic, um, whether it be, yeah, want a, want a Fulbright to go live in uh, the Niger Delta of Nigeria for a year studying oil politics, or uh, with this show when I decided I wanted to uh, travel to a small town in rural America. Uh, so I got some grants and bought a van and went out for three months, um, originally in 2008, um, setting up uh, hangouts with um, folks in small towns and uh, red counties off the interstates, off the coast. Um, and uh, and then, yeah, I came back and, and, and uh do audio recordings of folks, uh, take notes sometimes. Um, sometimes I take uh, photos and then sort of review it all and create characters based on people I met um, that are representative of stories and are often uh, people's stories, my own writing, sometimes composite characters to create a piece of theater that uh, tries to give the audience uh, sort of what my experiences were like. Um, and so, you know, there's, there's, there's lots of comedy, um, but there's also a, a challenge for the audience to sort of meet folks with, the, the, with empathy and, and uh, kind of understand the world through their eyes. That, that's, that's incredible. And, and what sort of, I guess, between when you started to hone this concept of theater journalism, what, what sort of shifted from just a pure interpretation of I'm going to use the stage um, and, and the written script and kind of a visual demonstration to tell a story about what's going on. How did you shift from that kind of mentality to one in which it was really important to really understand the characters within the country? Because it, it sounds like from the way that uh, the show is crafted, um, you're not just doing you know character immersion for the sake of being a talented method actor, for example. You're doing so to really represent 
the the stakes of what American values are at and and how what what sort of informs a personal narrative to to hold the values that they have and I guess I'm just curious why you decided to make that transition or whether it was obvious to you in real time or it sort of evolved over time. Yeah, well, it's something um, that I started doing right out of college, um, and I stu- you know, studied uh, in college, um, and was was always interested in sort of the theater of the streets. I, uh, like I said, I went to Northwestern, and you know, there's a lot of a, a lot of earnest kids, you know, uh, trying to take on uh, big American plays, and it kind of felt didn't feel immediate enough to me. So I would get on the the red line. Uh, purple line to the red line and get off at a random stop at night and start walking around and talking to strangers. And I would meet up with uh, gigolos in Dunkin' Donuts and street hustlers and um, ended up sort of spending the whole summer um, hanging out with and befriending these street hustlers when I moved to Rogers Park. Um, That material became another show, but it it kind of launched um, me into, into doing this kind of deep immersion work and then wanting to really uh, share people's stories in an authentic, nuanced, rigorous way. So it's not just like, yeah, I'm just trying to, to, to research to get um, uh, a, a character that I'm going to do in somebody else's script, but also really get their story. Um, and I think that both being a journalist and an actor in a way, if you're doing it in a good way, that there's similarity. You're trying to understand how people uh, think and talk and move and see the world. So there actually is some good overlap there. And I'm assuming through that you've mastered an array of accents and, and sort of markers of how to demonstrate or play out race and class in terms of the, how you channel some of these characters. Yeah, so uh, there's sort of a, a long process I go through. Um, you know, this show, uh, The Real American, starts in Wisconsin where I'm talking to a guy who's uh, who's telling me we're at the sidelines of a football game, and he's saying, uh, "You're just torn around." Oh yeah, you ever been to New York? Place is freaking crazy. They got those meat sandwiches right in the sidewalk, just cutting up the meat right there in the sidewalk. Prostitutes all over, every day chasing girls, eating the meat sandwiches. Only problem traffic <laughs> and, and then I flipped to going back to being at brunch in San Francisco uh, a week later where somebody's asking hey do you guys want some of this fruit compote the pears are house braised and the syrup was sustainably raised on reclaimed industrial land by an alternative girls school for children of the Taliban <laughs> uh, show, and, and so that's what the show plays with. it plays with these two these two sort of worlds that we inhabit and me saying, hanging out with my brunch friends. And uh, I was living in the mission district in San Francisco back then. And people kind of opining about what uh, middle America thinks, but not really knowing and me saying, all right, screw it. I'm going to go out and buy a van and go out there and uh, find out. And I want to kind of focus on what you did find along the way, because Many of not only our listeners, but perhaps even folks that agree with the sentiments um, of the prior president or this current president, uh, there are a lot of different worldviews that no one American or one citizen can ever truly appreciate unless they do what you did um, and which is get out there and really find 
connectivity between individuals. And not that that is something that everyone does, but a lot of people have taken a page out of your playbook. Um, you know, recently, even non-politicians, uh, Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg um, did a tour of, of middle America, frankly, to get a sense of who users of his platform um, were. Uh, the former AOL co-founder and um, CEO Steve Case did a tour of the flyover states to talk about how technology firms need to invest in facilities and employment in the region. And even a, a congressman out of California, Ro Khanna, right after the election, ended up spending time in West Virginia uh, to talk about, uh, you know, to really understand the, the plight and identity of coal miners, for example. So you did this um, at a very early point. You did this uh, starting back in, as you mentioned, 2008, where these ideas started to coalesce. What have you learned? Um, it, it's easy, I think, for a lot of the names I just mentioned to go um, do an event. I'm sure certainly earnestly learn something, but then maybe take a photo op and go on with their lives. But you actually have lines in the play that specifically say, you know, can't nobody take away a man's ignorance from them. Um, and that specifically unpack, you know, an alcohol-soaked football fan or, you know, someone from Alabama, a, a casual racist, a, maybe a yuppie in California. Um, are there certain forms of identity that are just sort of cartoonish in their nature and easy to play to? Or do you feel that there are some real truths to the individual that's from Wisconsin and worried about traffic or the individual from, um, you know, one part of the country that says it's okay if I don't want to pay attention to what's going on in the world. How real are those versus how cartoonish are those? And is our sort of generalization assumption about individuals from these regions a fair one or is it a more nuanced one based off of your exploration? Um, well, yeah. So first off, I'd say that, yeah, Zuckerberg and I roll pretty differently, and I know that because <laughs> there's a guy who um, who I got hooked up with. This is after this is after the 2016 election. Um, I went back on the road. I went back on the road uh, during the summer of 2016, and then uh, this year in the spring and fall of 2017 to update the show. And I was put in contact with uh, this guy in Ohio. And I started talking to him, and he says, well, you wouldn't believe he just came and had dinner with me. It was Facebook CEO Mark Zuckerberg. And he told me about how, you know, he run, he, he comes in with a whole bunch of aides, and they hang out. And, they, yes, it's, it's a completely different uh, experience than sure. what I do, which is a sort of very low profile. And often I have, you know, hang out with somebody for a day or two. Um and then, and then, yeah. In terms of the characters that that I create, um, uh, you know, I, I, I sort of hang my hat on them being uh, nuanced and and interesting, you know. So, um, Ron, this character in Wisconsin, you know, we 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 go on to we keep talking, and he he served in uh, the first Iraq War, and he talks, he ends up talking about that, and then he talks about his employment situation and you, you sort of get this full, this full story of this guy, you know? Um, and so it starts as, Oh, we think this is just another, you know, uh, Wisconsin, uh, cheese head or whatever, but you get to know him and he starts talking about, you know, um, sort of a fuller picture or we go to Alabama and, um, we're talking with a guy 
who um, is sort of casually racist, the thing that makes it interesting to me is that he's, um, we find out halfway through the show, and you only will see this when you're in the show, halfway through the scene, that he's, um, he's paralyzed, and he got paralyzed in a car accident um, 10 years ago. And we flip between him and an uh, African-American guy in uh, uh, Mississippi, uh, very close to him, who um, had uh, killed a man 10 years ago, the exact same time wow. this guy had a car accident. Wow. And yet the, 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 the white guy in Mississippi, um, his prospects are really struggling, and he's turning – He's 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 gotten bitter and calcified, and he's he's saying, you know, I mean, they got you know they got a, a United Negro College Fund. How come we don't have a United Redneck College Fund? And he's starting to, you know, you can see that that journey down the path um, that Trump would exploit. And then on the other side, we have Dear Me in Mississippi saying, my my whole life, whenever you turn on the TV, see a black man on the news. Nine times out of ten, he done done some shit. He done killed somebody, robbed somebody. Oh, the police decide, man, he look like some motherfucker who robbed somebody. Let me see if this gun work. Oh, shit, it do. But now, man, nine times out of ten, that black man on the news, boy, he the president of the United States, man. <laughs> and seeing that the the there's a that the way that that the election of Obama, um, in in many ways, you know, it, it, it didn't and racism or anything like that sure. obviously but it but it was a huge moment and we're seeing this 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 uh this shift in these in these two characters' lives um so so yeah i mean it, it, i feel like uh the people you meet uh feel real um and you know most people who come um i think feel like they have a real encounter with with people that they otherwise would not and you know it's been sort of viewed uh, in in various uh, reviews and coverage of of your uh, real spectacular show here that um, part of the motivation in this project is to make um, say liberal theater goers question their assumption about the other side of the ideological divide in the same way that we would want to um, make someone from the opposite side, maybe the conservative theater goers, to also question the other side of their divide. Um, you you do this with you know it really as as you've already shared a really dynamic set of perspectives and voices. Um, I'm just curious how much of you know, what, through your research, did you identify individuals um, kind of understanding or, or inform, feeling that their own outlook on the world, their own identity as being an American um, was informed by politics um, and, you know, who is in power or whatever the news of the day was versus just kind of their, their culture and their community? Yeah, that's a that's a good a good point and a good uh question. Um to, you know, th those things are are intention um uh and they are they work in concert, you know. So so somebody like Larry the Cable guy um who who I has become a, a kind of a template for this kind of redneck uh, whatever. I'm just, you know, I'm a redneck, you know, yeah. and this kind of proud of claiming that as as part of their heritage. You know, I saw that in '08, and that I think by the time you got to 2016, that is now moving into uh, sort of this white nationalist thing. You know, where it starts of this 
sort of claiming your identity as a as a as a redneck or white trash and owning that and being proud of that and then um you know eight years of of uh, internet sort of fear-mongering and uh you know fox news as as really the backdrop and it's it's sort of cliche to talk about fox news but you kind of can't not talk about it because it is it is on all the time it really is the the, the sort of the soundtrack the backdrop to a lot of these communities hmm. um you see that then move to a place of you know when i revisited some of these folks them talking about um things in terms uh, on a more intense level in terms of 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 uh you know the the type of stuff we saw in, in Charlottesville you know which is which is really um disturbing you know absolutely that said most of the people i talked to and everyone really except one character in the show um is is not there they're somewhere in the in the more gray area okay. you know um and and you know the 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 title of the show is so interesting how how you know when it opened in 2010 um i think people understood it as being that that echo of that sarah palin uh 2008 campaign line of you know i'm just so happy to be here in these small towns these this, this real america and people say well you know what are you talking about there's no there's no real america and fake america um you know every american story is valid and every American story is is authentic. That's what makes America interesting. Um, and now that title um, is, uh, you know, Trump ran that ran with that concept. Um, you know, Sarah Palin, I think, was a lot of ways a blueprint for his campaign. I got on the Trump uh, emailing list because I was going to try to go to one of his rallies in 2016. And I get these emails like every week and almost every email. He talks about the real America, the real America, the real America. Which is an absurd concept because I'm working on a new, I'm working on a new project, um, and I'm interviewing all these refugees, and their stories are some of the most intrinsically American you can imagine if you want to talk about sort of core American values that I think we all share of, uh, you know, hard work and thrift and um, you know entrepreneurship and um, celebrating individuality and overcoming hardship and all those things. Um, so, you know, the title, the title is provocative and um, I'm not sure, I don't know if I want to say tongue in cheek, but you know, it's, it's, it's sort of in quotes. No, absolutely. And, and it is a, it, it certainly speaks to the namesake of, of, you know, this very podcast and trying to figure out who is, um, you know, American enough based off of the eyes of others, I guess, from from the both the tongue in cheek kind of satirization of those perspectives, as well as your very real research and embodiment of those perspectives in your characters. Um, do, do you feel that there is something more authentically entrepreneurial or American or inventive um, in, in certain parts of the country versus the other based off of your research? Um, or do you think it's it's more rooted in the individual, him or herself, and, and based on the, the values and ethos they bring to bear? Yeah, I think it's, I mean, I think that, um, you know, trying to, I, I think w one of the things that, that are that our country is really struggling with is trying to draw these hard and fast lines around culture. And, uh, you know, the, the truth is, is that things are really blurry and things are often messy, um, you know, and that's what makes it interesting. And I think that, 
um, you know, embracing that messiness uh, is is really is really interesting. Um, you know, in the in the show, um, one of the brunch characters uh, from in San Francisco brunch character, she's actually from small town Tennessee. And she gives this, uh, and it turns out that her sister has gotten pregnant at a young age. And she gives this this long monologue about her struggle with both um, wanting to support her sister and also feeling like, oh my God, my sister's not gonna not gonna achieve her dreams. And she talks a lot about what what is the real America. And she's marrying this guy who she feels like is 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 not um, very open minded, you know. Um, and so, 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 yeah. The, the the show sort of walks with that tension, and sort of the the line that the show tries to walk of of asking folks to both empathize and try to see the world through uh, the lives of these other people, and at the same time, um, you know, have have a sense of of uh, of critical thinking and and being like, well, yeah, I I disagree with you, and that's okay, you know. Um, and we have different lives, and that's okay. Um, but to just to, you don't have to agree with someone, but you, I think it is important to try to understand where they're coming from. Absolutely. And Dan Hoyle is an actor and writer based in New York City, but has performed over 800 solo performances around the country and overseas to unpack identity of various moving parts. We'll talk to Dan a bit more about the power of the arts and the power of performance in being a bridge to understanding the identity of others. Check out Sennheiser's latest Bluetooth in-ear headphones, the HD1 Free. Premium materials and flawless craftsmanship combined with stunning Sennheiser sound all in one small and wireless package. And we're not kidding, this makes a great gift. Learn more at Sennheiser.com. And our listeners can get a 25% discount with the code MouthMediaSen at checkout. That's MouthMediaSenn. So, Dan, one question that I, I had for you is, you know, we, we sort of mentioned at the top a dialogue in this country going on um, across different mediums to sort of either tackle American identity or push back on a concept or a policy or a vision or an idea when we disagree with it. Um, we, we've seen, you know, journalists sort of take a, a new um, uh, kind of veneer in this country. Either people trust them more, rely on them more, or trust them infinitely less. Um, we've seen a rise of protests, um, notably the day after President Trump was inaugurated, the the iconic Women's March, but also um, what seem like daily or weekly protests across a range of issues, and perhaps for good reason. But we've also seen an incredible power of the arts, and and maybe this is something that you know, as someone who's been classically trained in this space um, for much of their life, it's something that you appreciate. Um, innately, but for those that may not necessarily be theater goers or um, fancy themselves as really understanding the arts, can you just tell us a little bit about why you think that is a powerful or effective platform um, to have these, you know, admittedly pretty media and heavy conversations? We know you dub your form of 
of playwriting, um, theater journalism or journalistic theater. Uh, when you look at satire on SNL or late night talk shows um, or even historical commentaries like the iconic Broadway show The Hamilton, uh, why is this an important medium and why do you think it's important that folks that don't normally traffic or, or you know, play in the arts uh, access this space to, to really build those bridges that we've been talking about in this conversation? Sure. I mean, uh, you know, theater, a lot of people, the last time they saw theater, they were dragged there on a Sunday afternoon by their parents. And there was lots of weird people in funny costumes with weird, like sort of mid-Atlantic or British accents. And they were like, I want to be skateboarding. Uh, so I think there's like a resistance a bit uh, from folks to like, why at a theater that sounds like heck, hell, you know, I'm trapped in some box with something. And especially a solo show, like, oh, my God, what <laughs> guys gonna, like, you know, tell me about his grandmother for, you know, an hour or whatever. Yeah. Um, but, uh, you know, I the common thing that I get, and I do get uh, a mix of audiences um, in terms of age, you know, I get a lot of young people who say like, oh, my God, that was good, you know. Um, and it's like, yeah, you know, uh, it, 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 I think – you know, j journalistic theater, research-based theater, um, you know, when I'm doing these multiple characters, it's, it's, it's all me and the audience and our imagination, um, you know, for 70 minutes. And we're going on this tour uh, of small town in rural America. And, you know, there's some songs and there's, uh, there's, you know, there's, and, and I would say, if you can make somebody laugh, you can tell them anything. Um and and that's a lot of what these characters do is they sort of walk back and forth between self-deprecating or knowing sort of uh, commentary on themselves and then telling their story. And so you really feel like you get to hang out um, with these folks. So I, I think it's, I think when it's done well, it's, it's really cool and it's a live experience, you know, and it's, um, it's something that it, it, it's funny because the, it's it's a it's a experience in which you you have to sort of set aside your own ego as a viewer for a little while. You know you can't make eyes with somebody across the bar. You can't like tweet. You can't. There's you know you you have to turn off your phones before the show starts. Um, so you're not like taking selfies. And so <laughs> so it's asking people to sort of get outside their world, um, which can be like oh do I want to do that on a Saturday night or a Friday night or a Thursday night or whatever. Well, uh, maybe, you know, you might feel like no, but, but once you get there, once you enter into the experience, it, it can be, I think, really sort of transporting. Um, and so, yeah, I have people come up all the time who are like, wow, that was, that was crazy. I didn't know what to expect. And all of a sudden I'm like hanging out in, you know, Harlan, Kentucky, or now we're going to, you know, we're meeting this, uh, Ramon, this Dominican guy, telling me about his Afghanistan war experience um, and, you know, what it means for him to be an American. Uh, and you f people feel like, I felt like I met that guy. You know, people say, like, that guy seems like my cousin or, like, that was like my uncle. Um, and so, and you do it with, with a room full of strangers and you have this experience, like, yeah, it's a little, it's a little bit secular. It's a little bit of a, a secular religious experience, you know? So, yeah. You should come to the theater, young people. <laughs> <laughs> and I guess for the, you know, speaking of young people, you're a father yourself. You, you know, when I personally, and, and you know, I have very 
perhaps based off of my prior employer, very um, liberal biased uh, politics. But I, I feel like the day after the election, as though my hangover wasn't bad enough from just the general imbibement, um, there was a real kind of sense that, hey, you know what, 63 million people cast their votes for a a candidate that and now a president that I you know maybe didn't relate to didn't really understand how anyone could take their values or or that campaign's values seriously um weren't really sure why anyone um you know why women would support the the candidate based off of comments that he made about women why individuals would buy into the ideology around the economic vision that he was laying out there, given um, his past of, of kind of focusing on, you know, the upper crust of society and their well-being. So there was a lot of lack of understanding from our own fellow countrymen and women. Um, and the number 63, 64 million is pretty resounding. So when you think about young people of today, your own son or others, how do you feel that they can actually start building these bridges to other Americans? I mean, obviously, the arts is one form, um, engaging in, in political commentary is another form, but you, you don't necessarily have to have a stage to understand other Americans. As you said, you took a very low profile when you were trying to do your own scoping um, and trying to understand our, you know, one another. So what would be that vision that you would want to convey either through the show, your show, The Real Americans, or just through a values-based conversations to motivate young people to not be turned off by the times, but actually use this time as a powerful bridge to understanding the other? Yeah, it's a good question. Um, I mean, I've done a lot of door-to-door canvassing, especially early on in election cycles, um, when it's not just you're just trying to get a strong yes, you know, and then you know how to get to the polls tomorrow. But earlier on where there is some more give and take of like, okay, so what do you feel about that? And you can, you can get people's stories, um, you know, right at their doorstep. And it's really interesting. So, uh, you know, I encourage everyone, you know, we got these midterms coming up soon. Um, Go out somewhere for a week, you know, and a lot of, a lot of times, even if you live in a quote unquote liberal bubble, um, as Marcus Melitzis, who did a, a, a talk back, told me, he's like, no, we're not in the bubble. They're in the bubble. Um, <laughs> That's Marcos, the, but, the founder uh, and editor yeah. of thedailycoast.com. Um, you know, uh, uh, yeah, a lot of times, you know, it's not that far. You know, swing left is, you know, you can, you can, and the Democratic Party has been doing this for a long time and Move On has been doing this for a long time. I mean, it's, it's, it's not sort of that new. I think there's a lot of new energy. Um, and that's great. Go out and do some canvassing. Um, it's so interesting. Uh, and a lot of those districts are not that far from you. Um, and yeah, I mean, the other thing to think about is, you know, next time you're going to go um, to, I don't know, some someplace a little bit off the map, instead of just trying to like hit the five Instagram and Yelp most uh, best sort of bougie restaurants, because <laughs> A lot of, you know, a lot of now, like, hipster culture is all over. You know, you can go to Chattanooga, Tennessee and get, like, you know, craft beer and, you know, a $15 burger. Um, You know, but, like, go to the funkier haunts and and hang out, you know. And a lot of it is about um, just kind of, like, swallowing not not your pride or not who you are. um, Because I find that so often if if people – people – will be interested in you if you're interested in them, you know? Um, 
and then yeah, uh, get to know some of our fellow countrymen, and it can be gnarly sometimes. I'm not gonna lie. I mean, you know, there are. It's not. It's not just a question of oh, once we have these conversations, we'll understand each other. No, the divides are real, and they're big. Um, but you know, you do feel more connected. I think when you talk to people, you know, I mean, as Obama says, think of arguing with people on the internet, go out and talk to a stranger in real life. You know, yeah, I've been doing that my whole life. So Obama's my dude, <laughs> but yeah, I, I think that that was a very powerful point. People will get to know you if you get to know them. Um, particularly if, you know, you mentioned organizations that, that we very much support, um, you know, checking out swing left, dot com or run for something um, are all ways to get involved in your communities. And frankly, um, you know, our own politics aside, uh, you know, whether you're on one side of the equation or the other, um, I think that's a powerful concept to just get out there, knock on some doors, meet other people um, for at a minimum to get to know one another. Um, Dan, I just before we let you go, just want to ask you, um, what's next? You, you mentioned um, working on a side project in which you've been engaging the refugee population. Um, I don't know if that's that's ready to unveil for prime time on, on in this podcast, but um, is there? Do, do can we be prepared to see more theater journalism from uh, Dan Hoyle, or are you going to be moving a different direction? Or are you going to be sipping kombucha in San Francisco pretty soon? <laughs> No, man, I'm I'm in it to win it. You know, I've been doing it for 14 years. I got a family and a mortgage. Um, no, uh, more <laughs> importantly, I I yeah, I I find it to be really interesting work, and and people people really respond to it. Um, so yeah, DC folks, I'm doing the Real Americans till December 22nd at the Mo- at Mosaic Theater. Um, it's been rocking. Um, come check it out. Uh, yeah, then I'll. I'll be doing a couple of college gigs, and uh, then I'll be going to Ireland, uh, Dublin, Ireland. I think it's 20, April 25th and 26th. I'll be performing there. Um, and then, yeah, I'm working on this new show that will maybe be ready by the end of 2018, maybe early 2019. Um, so, so yeah, people can people can check me out for that stuff at danhoyle.com. Um, if they, if you wanted the direct, not that that website is that amazing, but people want to see what it's all about. That's great. Go see a show. That's great. You know, go go out there, knock on some doors, run for something, have a conversation with some strangers, go see the real Americans with Dan Hoyle. It's all really pretty much a foolproof way to to understand American identity here. Yeah, yeah, and uh, thank you so much for uh, for talking to me. I, I, I love what you're doing. Dan Hoyle, thank you so much for being on American Enough and really appreciate your your guiding wisdom that kicked all of this off, which is get on a train, get lost, meet somebody, and maybe you'll learn a little bit about more about yourself or, more importantly, more about someone else that you had no idea you would learn. Uh, thanks again for being here, man. Thank you so much. This has been American Enough with Vikram Iyer. American Enough is a production of Mouth Media Network, copyright 2017. Contact Vikram with your comments and questions at 844-4-VIKRAM and connect with the show on social media at American Enough. Theme music by Chris Thomas. Episodes available at AmericanEnoughPodcast.com and everywhere the best podcasts are found. To learn more about Mouth Media Network and how you can partner with this podcast, visit MouthMediaNetwork.com. The views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the hosts, callers, and guests and do not necessarily reflect the views and opinions of Mouth Media Network. 
No portion of this show may be reproduced, published, or rebroadcast without the express written permission of the producers. Thank you for listening. This is Mouth Media Network, covering the business of lifestyle.